Disclaimer, the host of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means medical professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Hey, what is up everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. No, you cannot. What's up, TPP? What's going on, bud? Uh, you know, the usual, the dailies. Oh, the dailies aren't that bad, though, all the time. Not all the time, but when they when they um, compile on it, onto each other and then mix a little of your own cognitive distortions on top of it, it becomes a little heavy. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a wicked soup to get out from under. It is. Uh, this morning... We're joined by Joni of Operation at Ease. And Operation at Ease is a local Nippertown 518-501C3 that, wow, takes dogs from shelters and pairs them with deserving vets and first responders and provides free guided training programs for post-traumatic stress and light mobility service dogs. Wow. Now that's given back. So Joni, thank you very much for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. <clears throat> so why don't right you ahead. yeah, why don't you just jump in and just kind of tell us how uh you know you got this started or why you got this started and and um you know we'll go from there. Sure. So um Operation Eddie started a little over eight years ago because there were um, no resources for service dogs in the capital district and really even in connecting communities for um, we started initially for veterans um, exclusively and then added on first responders a couple of years later but it just the resources didn't exist so as I was trying to help a friend of mine um, find a service dog and He's a was a four-time combat veteran, 21 years in the army. And I was met by red tape, roadblocks, politics, huge price tags. And it just got me upset. You know, I'd worked in the shelter and rescue community training dogs for a long time. And, you know, that so there's not a lack of dogs and there's not a lack of people who need them. So why are we not doing better? Um, and so that's how it started. You know, we, we, we took off pretty, pretty quick and have been going strong since. Well, first, thank you for the work that you do helping save dogs. As we know, a lot of people have surrendered their animals now back to shelters because, you know, they had to solve their personal needs by getting an animal during COVID and then not realizing the personal responsibility or taking the responsibility for it. So now, but at least we have a place like yours that can take service and that can provide something of strength and connection to people who really need it and provide animals with another chance. Right. Yeah. Just the, you know, one thing I always felt like was missing and it's not through any fault of, you know, shelters always, I, I, I've worked in several throughout the country, you know, they're all doing the best they can and you can only do so much, you know, but one thing that was always kind of lacking was uh, behavioral support and, you know, long-term behavioral support post-placement. So we're able to do that as well. And that was always, you know, it was always a dual mission of making sure that the people who serve us have what they need um, and that, you know, we're able to keep dogs in homes. So it's been very rewarding. So did you, you, you trained dogs before you started this? 
Uh, so all I've done, I've never done anything else. Like I can never decide if that's like a good story because like so many people have like all these stories about all the stuff they've done. That's so I yeah, beautiful. You know that's yeah, beautiful that's, though. You dedicated, you've dedicated your life to serving, to serving, to serving something that really cannot serve itself. Yeah. Yeah. But to multiple, on multiple levels, like Will said, you're, you're serving the animal, you're serving the person and, you know, I'm sure you can probably attest you're serving yourself in some ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I just think you do what you love. And if it's not fun anymore, then you stop, you know, so because I'm I just I don't have the temperament to be frustrated. So, <laughs> so how girl, so. I, I have a question because sure. I, I mean, maybe some dogs at the shelter are, are all of them capable of, I guess, rehabbing and, and turning into these um support dogs well that's a great question so you know what we always the i always start with the person you know because the dog i pick for you might be different than the dog i pick for will might be different you know what do you want what are your personal goals what's your lifestyle look like now like do you work in an office for 10 hours a day and i need a dog that's gonna like hunker under the desk with you or are you working from home or retired and you like to go running and you want to start hiking again and you have small children and like what so what's your life look like and then we go into the shelter and we um always go by what their initial assessment was so what does the shelter know about this dog what have they seen so far about this dog and then it's really kind of from there kind of it can be kind of crazy like you have to go in with the right mindset. Like I always say, I go in like I'm picking out a loaf of bread because I'm not going to take everyone I see and I can't. And it is heartbreaking when you're an animal lover um, <clears throat> to know that you have to look at someone and tell them, no, today's not your day, you know? And, you know, I, I will walk up and down the kennels. I recently had interns from SUNY Cobleskill that came with me and they said it was harder than they thought just because I was so, yes, no, no, yeah, like walking through. But, you know, I'm looking for someone who kind of, I can't, I don't know. So I've done this 25 years. So I kind of just want a certain look in their face, if that makes sense. Like, and then you want someone who doesn't really care that they live there because it shows they're adaptable. And I want someone who recognizes the shelter staff as, you know, so they're able to bond and form a relationship in a high stress environment. You know, from there, we take the dog out. We work with the dog at the shelter for a little bit. We drive it in the car for at least 45 minutes to an hour because car sick service dogs are not a good look. <laughs> and then we go out in public for, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's like about an hour and a half, two hours. And we introduce the dog you know, to as many different noises, sounds, smells. We like to go to hardware stores because we like these dogs to meet men and men in hats and men with beards. Dogs have problems with men and children way before they'll have problems with females. So, and then we kind of go from there, but every dog we place is rough and raw. And we're just, you know, grateful that we work with a community of people that is filled with grit and they can handle it. So, then the dog goes home. That is so cool, man. That is <clears throat> such a beautiful story and such a beautiful way to connect so many things on so many levels that I I don't have many words to go through to, to add to that. So I got to ask you, what is it that made you, what is it that you saw in the, that, made you specific to the because there's other things that we could really benefit from this is there a lack of resources for vets because of the red tape or do you, is it so many or is it just on so many levels i just think it's politics you know i don't i like sometimes i look at our veterans and it feels like a Hunger Games scenario, you know, like, I don't know, I, I don't want to get political. I just don't understand how we can't do better, like how we are not just 
discharging people from the military and upon discharge, MRIing their brain for TBIs. I was speaking with one of my veterans the other a couple of weeks ago. Her husband is a combat veteran and was just diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury. And he's deployed 20 years ago. You know, so why is it not? You know, I just don't. And then the the red tape now for the Pause Act for groups like mine to get certified through the VA for the VA to pay for these dogs is just another layer. I don't I don't know. I think there's I hate to say it because I hate to sound like I'm part of a conspiracy theory group, but I I just think there's always a certain benefit because you need people need to be needed and we need the government and we need the VA. So I hate to I hate to say that. And then, you know, as we get into the first responder community, it's like, this is just untapped. Like, why are we not? There's nothing. I think, I think part of it is too, is that we have to remember too, that these are just other segments of the world. Like, again, these are professions that people choose to go into and we come from all different backgrounds in these professions. Yes. So again, it's just a microcosm. It's a macro of the micro or the micro yes. of the macro where it's just now you're in your particular world. So now you see what everybody else sees because what you're seeing is what's going on everywhere in mental health everywhere, no matter who it's for. And unfortunately, <clears throat> I, there's a certain other level when it comes to veterans. You sign up to do a job, but at the end of that, you expect to have a certain level of care and a certain level of being treated with dignity. And I actually have, I do some, a little bit of work with veterans. I have one veteran client that I've worked with who, you know, I don't know all of his story, but I will never understand it because I've never seen that, but it's, It's, um, I, I think there's a lot of, so like my first apartment I moved out of my parents' house onto Fort Bragg. My ex-husband was in the army. So these are just two, I've always known dogs and I've always known the military community. You know, even my second husband's in the Air Force. So I have a type, I have a type. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to admit it. (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, and, and they like, people always like would say, oh, they knew what they were getting into. And you knew as a spouse what you were getting into, but you have no idea what you're getting into. Like, it's so, it's like just a completely different like dimension to the world. Like, you know, like some people are late for work because it's like garbage day. And I was late for work because I got stuck behind a convoy of tanks or like 65 people in full combat gear and guns would jump out in front of my car. And I, I remember that happening, like stopping because all these guys in full combat gear, guns, camo, rucksacks, jumped out of the wood line, ran in front of my car to jump back in the wood line. And I thought, Jesus, I'm going to be late. And then I thought, Jesus, when did this become my normal? Like when, when was I not, when, when, when did that not like shock me anymore that people are running around with like guns, you know, and, and uh, you know, but it's, and as we get into work with, with first responders now, you know, so last year, because uh, we were the recipients of the pig bowl, which is coming up in October and that's a lot of fun. Right. But it's, that's been just another like rabbit hole of why are we not helping these people? Like we run entire fire departments on volunteer basis, which means if that person or those people don't show up, like what happens? Do you know what I mean? And like, why are we not giving them the same benefits or support or consideration, you know, so we from there branched out to create a therapy dog program, but we only visit veterans groups or first responders. We don't do schools and hospitals because we feel like they just, I'm tired of these people being on waiting lists for things, you know, so if you need us, we're just going to make sure we show up with what we have for you. Perfectly said. Yeah, the the whole waiting list thing for me is 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 super annoying. It's like, you know, it, it and I think it will it will happen, gen in general to to all of us eventually if if we do this whole 
you know, free healthcare or, or universal healthcare. It's like, it's a good idea, but you're talking, you know, months out, years out. And if somebody's sick and needs help, that, that you know what I mean? The clock is ticking. You can't just take somebody that, it, you know, has a TBI or is suicidal and say, hey, you know what? Um, in four months, you can see this person. It's you just can't do it. You just can't do it. I, I don't. I don't know the boundaries, and I know there are some, but like you said before, we have to do better. I there's just everything about our country is screaming out that we need mental health support, and I don't know why everyone's ears are covered. Like there's so many, you know, tragedy. Like my kids' high school created a no cell phone policy this year, and if they're caught on their phone, the school's going to take it and put it up at the desk like in the office. And all I thought was, unless you can guarantee me with a 350% certainty that my child will not be locked down because of a gun threat or a bomb threat, there's no planet where you're taking my child's cell phone. And it's not that I don't think my kids should be on their phones in school because they shouldn't be. And it's not that I don't support teachers and the school district because I do I I would be a fantastic teacher till about October 17th and then my threshold would close right but <laughs> we have a school shooting problem and I need to have access to my children so and but and again that all roots back to where's our mental health support just for people why are we waiting to give people help why are we judging who needs more help or who doesn't it's like I feel like mental health crisis is, is like being a pregnant teenager. You know, and if you're a pregnant teenage girl, you don't get benefits unless you know someone who knew someone who can send you to the right place. And we do the same thing with veterans. And we do the same, and it's even worse with first responders because that's in its infancy, talking about the fact that maybe, maybe first responders have experienced traumatic events, but and even more gnarly, right? Because like your day is cardiac arrest, suicide attempt, Starbucks drive-through, picking your kid up from soccer, car accident, fatal car accident, go back home for your kid's school play. Like bananas, that's a bananas day and that's their day. And it's constant mental transition from one to the other, to the other, to the other. And then why are we, so it's not only like, why do we not provide support for that person, but where's the support for their family? Because that's a family uh, condition. That's what I was just going to say, because even for you, being, <laughs> being the wife of somebody, you know, in the military, that you're going to, you experience it like maybe secondhand, but you're still experiencing it. And like you said, everybody's different. So, you know, your little T could be a big T for you. You know what I mean? Like my little T could be a big T for you or my big T may not be anything for yeah. you, but we still have to offer some kind of support. I like to think that, that most people just don't know better. I know it, it might be a cop out, but I think that we're learning more and more about mental health and we're, you know, a lot of people are paying attention to it maybe because they think it's cool and it's a trend but I do think that more research and more education is coming out. Well, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because there is social contagion, right? And I, I'm glad I wasn't a teenager with the internet. Like, and I love the internet and I definitely utilize it. But if I had to every day connect with the entire world and hear everybody's, you know, like you are what you follow. You know, and when you're a kid, you don't, well, one, you don't identify as being a kid because you got it on lock. You know what I mean? By 15, you got life on lock, you know? So that's the first problem. But you're able to log on and find all of these people that relate to you. And I think there's some good and some bad for that because we need a healthy mix of, yes, I feel that way too, but you can still do things. You know, so I, I, the internet's such a double-edged sword because it allows us to provide venues like this, right? Where you, we are speaking candidly and able to reach people. But on the same token, I can just Google a board all about depression and go down everyone's rabbit hole with them, you know? So you have to be able to like develop the self-awareness to be able to find those safe places. 
And we don't give people the venue to do that, to be self-aware, you know? <laughs> so. Right. Well, we don't, te- we don't teach any of that stuff, you know? <clears throat> so if you don't, if you don't know to be self-aware, if you don't know how to be self-aware, there's, there's, you're not going to be. You know? Right. And it's always yeah. the generation before you talking about how we did it different. <laughs> so you're just. So you had mentioned about the dogs not going into school and stuff. Do you ever have, is it, do you ever work with kids with disabilities or anything like that? No. Nope. Or is it? Yeah. Okay. Nope. That's not our jam. You know, those, that's not like we, I, I like, I think everybody should have access to the things that they need. And I don't think anybody should determine for you what that thing is. You know, if you need it, you should have it. And if you're a child and you need a dog, you should have one. You know, I just, my specialty is with this particular. Yeah, no, I was just asking. I was just asking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because I I could, look, I could cast a huge net, but then I think it would water down who I help. Cause I can only do so much, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we do veterans. We're, we're banging down the doors of first responders, tough, tough group of people. Yeah. To- we have, we have lots of friends and uh, lots of uh, people we've had on here that are first responders, you know? So uh, we've, we've heard some, yeah, we've heard some stories that are just, yeah. uh, you wouldn't believe unless, you know, you heard them. Yeah. yeah I will say that, you know, to work with us, we do require for the service dog program that you be in talk therapy because our program's hard. We're not therapists. We're dog trainers. So we, we stay in our lane, you know, and, and you need to have, if you haven't been to the airport since you came home from Iraq, I'm taking you to the airport with your dog and you need somebody to talk about that with, you know? So we do require that you're in talk therapy to um, attend our program for something that in depth, you know, but um, we do have drop-in classes for the first responder community. So if you already have a dog in the home and you just want to go to dog training and turn your brain off for an hour, we don't charge for that. You can just sign up and come. That's great because... to know. Um, I actually have had the, f- <clears throat> the fortunate um, circumstance of being able to speak to um, a bunch of police officers in Albany County. Cause I yeah. work for, I work for the state and I'm fortunate enough to be connected to um, crisis intervention training. Cause I know the the person who runs it. And I spoke with a bunch of senior officers, as far as like more than probably four or five years experience from all of the county's um, operations. Every one of them was represented, including the state. Um, I don't know if we had, I don't not. I don't know if we had any military police there or not, um, but they're very, they were very receptive to hearing and talking about mental health, but I could clearly tell by, I touched a nerve with several of them when I said that the biggest problem is, is that we don't take care of our own problems and we, we need to find ways to deal with that. So your resource for first responders is great. And I will make sure that I start sharing that resource if that's okay with the people that I, the people that I come in contact with. Yeah, just come. And you know, the other thing we're doing is working with the local police department and we're going to go to them. You feel more comfortable in your firehouse? Well, bring your dogs to your firehouse. What do we care? You know, just turn your head off for an hour, connect with somebody who, you know, the beautiful thing about dogs is they don't, care if you're pretty they don't care if you're you know they're gonna love you anyway you know so they just you know you show up for them and they show up for you and they're resilient and they're forgiving and they don't have an opinion on what you've been through and they're not going to tell you how to do it they don't have any expectations Mm -hmm. you know like I always say like we require therapy because one, your story is yours. I never ask what it is. You do not have to tell me there is no box where you explain why you need a service dog. You just need one. That's it. As long as you have the right credentials and you're in therapy, come on down. You know, you know, you don't have to talk about it with us. If you think it'll help, you can, but you don't, I don't, you don't ever have to tell me, you know, um, your dog doesn't want to hear your story either, you know, but the difference between me and your dog is I have expectations. You know, I do because 
If you're not doing the work, there's someone behind you in line waiting to get into our program who's willing to do the work. So I have accountability. I have expectations. Your dog is not, you know, I might be a good person, but your dog is a way better person for you than I am. So like <laughs> connect with your dog, you know, just, just turn your brain off and just do, you know, do it. So that's when we came up with the, the first responder drop-in classes, your schedules, how are you going to commit to my service dog program where I need you there once a week, every week for up to a year? You can't, it's not realistic, you know? So, and while you're still active, just show up. Is now I might be ignorant to some of this stuff, but this <clears throat> kind of like a multi level question. Is there certain dogs that are a better fit for a cert for being a service dog or is it is it all in the training is some of it kind of uh natural for i i what sparked this is i i recently saw a video on instagram and it was um this dog could actually this this person was um experienced syncope and this dog knew like literally probably 50 seconds before the 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 human felt like they were going to pass out the dog smelt so i don't know if they smell something i i don't know this um so if you can kind of explain maybe some of that it would be great well there's definitely dogs like what i have found because we don't specifically teach nightmare wake up just because we don't have the room in our facility to like simulate like a bedroom you know or we wouldn't have a, we just have one big room you know and we what don't is that what is the nightmare wake up? Can you just give us so a quick people will have like night terrors and uh, dogs wake them up in the middle of them um, to get them out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, um, so what there's I training specific for the dog to recognize that you're when you're sleeping, that you're having a nightmare. So it's just cueing the dog to your behavior, right? Okay, so like, yeah. You're having a night terror, you're thrashing, you're shaking, you're moaning in your sleep. And it's just cueing the dog. It's no different than anything else we train. Like we could train it if we had a better, bigger facility, you know, because we need a separate room for that. Because it's like, to me, it just is like a vulnerable, you're laying in a bed and you're thrashing around with me, you and your dog. You know, you, I wouldn't do that without providing somebody the privacy to like, really give it their all you know um but plus it's plus it's hard to simulate sleeping real it's hard sleeping, to simulate sim sleeping yeah I but mean, you just don't want to act like that in, in a group you just right I just, yeah right i people get self-conscious especially yes. Yeah. yes and you have to be ready to be a little vulnerable but you know we teach a lot of behavior interruption like we had a veteran in our program who would pull her hair out and wouldn't realize she was pulling her hair out until she like the disassociation stopped. And the VA provided her with other avenues like putty and Play-Doh, but you don't know, like that's an OCD, like trance, you know? But we just trained her dog. So when she would reach for her hair, he would whack her arm. And, you know, we had another veteran who would rub his arm when he would get anxious. And eventually it would lead to him scratching himself and bleeding. And his dog was trained to just nudge her head up and knock his hand out of the way. You know, so nightmare wake up is just similar to that. What does it look like when you sleep? And then the dog interrupts it. But what we have found is when the real, because our, our training is all relationship focused. We don't do choke chains, prong collars, you know, um, we don't ever touch our dogs unless we're petting them or using them for deep pressure. You know, one is it's a, we're building a relationship and that relationship's not going to work unless you both trust each other. You don't trust a person who you feel like has an upper hand over you, no matter what species you are. Um, and everybody we work with has seen enough bad stuff. So we're not bringing bad stuff into their life anymore. This is just about throwing your dogs and pepperoni and having a good time and, you know, really, really kind of grounding each other. So, um, yeah, so, you know, we, but what we found is that our dogs innately start doing that. They start waking people up from their nightmares. They start interrupting um, when they're disassociating because that relationship is just strong enough to know. It's like if you're married and your spouse has nightmares, you don't let them sleep through it. You wake them up, you know, but 
we teach the dog, you know, the dog just kind of starts taking that role on. Gotcha. So it does sound like it's a lot in the training, but it's, it's, a, it, there's a level to it that I didn't really understand fully until you just said that it's, it's like you said, it's a relationship, you know, there's a, it's a connection. So once you, once you form that bond, like they're going to be there. Yeah. So that's, wow. That's amazing. Training has really do. shifted a lot. You know, what I, what I like about dog training is that it's always evolving. You know, it's always like what it was like, when I first started training and I moved here, I was one of the few positive reinforcement trainers. You know, there wasn't a ton of us. And now it's like, I don't want to say we're a dime a dozen, but it's so nice to see. And it's nice to see what we call crossover trainers, like trainers that were previously using choke chains and prongs, you know, now just finding better, nicer ways, you know, I, I, you know, there's a hundred different ways to raise a kid and train a dog, but if we can always choose it just by being nicer to them, even selfishly, it keeps your blood pressure down. Do it for yourself. Even if you don't care about being nice to your kids, like do it for yourself, you know, like maybe your kids suck, but just be nice to you, you know, and like, you know, but I will say, and I, I have to give a shout out to this, um, 100% pit bulls are my favorite breed for service dog work. Any I was, day that's, of the week. That I was going to, I was trying to save that for a little bit, but I'm yeah. glad that you said that. Cause I was, I was going to ask you about the whole breed contention. Thing about. <clears throat> yeah. Cause it, now <clears throat> I'll save that for the end. Cause we're coming up on this. Timmy, do you have anything else to add before we ask the, the big three questions? Um, you know, maybe just, uh, you know, are your, for, if there is any, um, first responders, veterans listening, is there, um, anything that you would like to say is there, if they go to the website, can they find out where these classes are? And, um, yeah, go to the, the website, we just had our website completely redone. So it's super user-friendly, but really what I have to say is have a conversation with us. Like, even if you think this isn't going to work for you or it's not the right program for you, at least have a conversation with us. So, because all we're going to give you is information, even if it's just the information to say, no, this won't work. Get the information. Hear what we, you know, because, you know, we're here and we're here to help and we're here for you. And it's, it's just, it's very difficult to reach people in the helping profession to get help. But it's just our turn to help you now. Like, let yeah, us we'll, help you. Will likes that one. <laughs> like, now cue in Circle of Life song from Lion King. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love it. That's great. Yeah. yeah, have the conversation. That's all I want. That's nice. Uh, and that's, that's what we're that's what we're all about. That's this is all about. It's all about the conversation and the connection, man. That's yeah, even if the answer is no, at least you have the information to be like, you know what, I talked to them and that's not the right program for me. But you have the information to pass on to someone else. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And you can find out all that information at www.operationatease.org. Yes. Correct. Yes. yes. Okay. Because I actually did. I was on the website this morning. Okay. Um, I actually the mobile for it's it's beautiful. It's nice. It's great. It's easy to Thanks. navigate. Please go there if you have any questions or want information. I'm going to share all that in the show notes. We are wrapping up, Timmy. It's time for the big three. So why don't you take it away, my friend? Jeez, you know, I I uh, I kind of wasn't thinking about this question at first, but do do you have is there, are you more a dog person or do you have, is it just all animals? Oh, I'm all animals. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I stopped eating meat when I was 12 because I, um, yeah. And then I went fully plant-based like uh, maybe about seven years ago, I stopped dairy completely. So I'm, I'm all animals. I, um, I don't want that to make like me scary for people because I think everybody should do what they want. Like I'm a firm believer in you making the right choice for you. But for me, it really like helps me connect with dogs more if I just know in general, I'm, you know, keeps my energy good to not participate in that. But no, all animals, but dogs and cats, you know, are always my jam. They're just the easiest mm -hmm. 
to get in touch with. And I'm from Boston. So like, while I have no fear in drive, riding the subway at night, like horses kind of always freaked me out a little, like anything like farm animal, I find to be a little scary, but they're big too. When you're next to a horse, you know, you don't realize it, but when you're next to the, those are massive. They're just their energy. I don't know. We, uh, we did a, um, we had, uh, someone on for, from a place that's up in Saratoga. Uh, they do like therapy with horses yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, it's like so you're standing there looking at that horse. It looks right through you. It's yeah, uh, yeah. I, I get what you're saying, but yeah. um, it does work. Uh, you know the equine therapy. I know we have had um, plenty of first responders, and and one of them um, utilized that, and it did help him. Yeah, yeah. I think do what animals just have so much to to give us. Just you know, take it. <laughs> we find that any therapy that doesn't actually look like therapy is the best therapy. Yeah, I have a, we the second question and I this came up as I, you were talking because it's I'm interested to know as you work in shelters, if you've heard about the crisis in veterinarian suicides, because veterinarian suicides are through the roof and they are the one of the biggest groups of suicides. And I was just wondering if that has come up in any of your circles, because obviously you're around shelters, you're around animals. So I didn't know if you had heard about that or had any opinion oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, I like I'm getting goosebumps, you know, I mean, compassion fatigue is it's real. It's a thing. It's it's and it sounds crazy, right? Like, how do you get. How does that fatigue you? Like I go to counseling every week just because I'm so connected to the people I work with that it's hard and I can't burn out, you know, like I feel like. Um veterinarians man i mean think about like you go to school because you're gonna like work with animals and save animals and then when you come down to do it everybody just for some reason thinks they need to wake up every day and do it for free or get completely shit on but my guess is these people and i know a lot of these people get paid to go to work but for some reason, everyone just feels like, even though the option is out there for you for pet insurance, for a crisis. I mean, I just, we've worked, you know, we just had a dog um, who swallowed her collar, Piper, one of our service dogs in training. Her person took her collar off before she put her in the crate. And when the dog was out of the crate, found her collar, created the worst obstructional um the worst obstruction that they had ever seen. And Dr. Gavin took care of her and it cost us $11,000. And what made me feel so bad about that was Dr. Gavin apologizing to me for it being expensive. And I was like, we are just so grateful that you have the skill set to save her. So. You know, I think we're going to find and I think we're finding the more that we go on through this, that we're going to find skill sets literally disappearing because we don't have the backup because of a lack of gratitude. Uh, yeah, a well, lack, lack of gratitude, of a lack gratitude. of education, a lack of a lot of things, a lack of true knowledge, a lack of willing to do things to help rather than serve yourself. Yeah, there's but there's I a lot of there's a lot of reasons for that. So, what really made me feel bad was when she apologized to me. And it's like, what we're just wow. so, you know, you say there's no, like, what price do you put on Piper on this dog? You know, like there's no price tag I can give her for what she gives to April, you know, just for mobility and just for, you know, to help her socialize and get out there. And it's like, you know, the dog was just had a ding bad moment and made a very bad decision, <laughs> ate her collar. You know, so it's like, but that to me made me feel sad for, for Dr. Gavin that she felt like she had to apologize for charging for what she does, you know. So I, I just, you know, veterinarians, it's it's just a tough, it's just, it's just a tough gig. And yeah, the animal the, field is tough. The, the compassion fatigue, I compassion clearly, fatigue I, clear, I, I work in. I'm a peer specialist now. So I work with people transitioning out of the hospital and back <clears> in the community. And there's a lot of that. And then between that and this, like we've yeah. had some, like we've had some really heavy conversations and it's just, it's starting to 
starting to wear a little bit. The wear yeah. and tear is the wear and tear is visible for sure. Yeah. 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 And it's hard when you do, cause like, you know, you take on the right, the, uh, the characteristics of the people you spend the most time with. Yeah, right. And then absolutely. when you're in yeah, the that. mental health field and you're spending the most time and, you know, well, like, as a peer and as a peer, you have your own, you have your own mental health stuff. So okay. it's like, you got that, then you got all the other stuff that you've got responsibilities and then you've got your job. And then you've also got, there's a kind of a correlation between what you were talking about with veterinarians apologizing for charging you so much, but it's kind of that weird thing as a peer, like I'm getting paid to help people, but it's, I help people in a way that they may not necessarily be able to help themselves all the time. So it's like this weird thing of being paid for something that you're, you do for free anyway. You do. Right. And that, just yeah. like being a music, it's just, it's just like being anything that you passionately follow, I think too, that you would do it for free. And unfortunately in 2023, where we don't value anything because everything is so in your face all the time, because there's no value of anything anymore. So it's like, we just, that's why we have that. And it's like, and then we have this dichotomy of, okay, where do I fit in? And how do I, how do I take care of myself and still take care of others and not have that be a thing in between us? Too? I got to, you know, the best advice my therapist has given me to date. And there are some weeks where I just go and just have a normal conversation with her. I, I, one, like I said, I'm, I'm very, I try to be very connected to the people I work with and I, so when I'm with their energy all the time, I need a, a sounding board. But I also don't ever want to ask anybody in my program to do something I'm not willing to do. So I can't be like, you need therapy and I don't. Everyone, Everyone's had trauma. You don't escape it. You don't escape it. No matter what it is, whether it's big or little or your parents sucked or you saw a car accident or whatever your drama is, you've had it, you know. Um, so, but what she told me was, because I'm like, look, I'm great in, at self-care. Like I walk eight miles every day and I eat, you know, a plant-based diet and I love to read and I crochet. And she was like, Joni, if you do it all the time, it stops being like, it just becomes who you are and you have to do something you like that you don't do all the time. And then it was like, uh, so last fall, I went through like a very significant yarn pumpkin phase awesome all right Dad, did you crochet a bunch of yarn pumpkins did no you? no because i couldn't because that was my normal oh okay <laughs> mix it up, whipped out the glue gun got a little crazy with the oh crap boy. but i worked it was so bananas like it really helped i was like wow this is like it really does help so like you know like just don't be afraid to do something dumb like make a yarn pumpkin like it was so dumb and i'm not a yarn pumpkin girl like if you ever meet me in person you'd be like really dumb. well i'm, you know I'm judging I mean? i'm i'm only going by our screen time here but you really don't possess you don't really possess that yarn pumpkin vibe to me to be honest <laughs> Right. But I think that's why it worked. Cause it was so like, but I think that's why it's cool yes. because again, therapy isn't about therapy and therapy can be anything that's beneficial and, and creative therapy. That's the one thing like, and Timmy and I think have figured yeah. this out too, because Timmy's obviously written a book and Timmy was in a band and then we're both podcasting and I'm a musician and like we do all these creative things, but the more creative we get, it's the other things that we get creative at that happen like you want you start to like to draw even though your drawing suck to you yeah you know i mean it's just yes. one of those things that's just beneficial yeah yeah well said that was awesome um so the last question is if there was something that you would like to see done for mental health or that you could do for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint what would it be oh man let it rip. Come on. Well, give it to us. I don't. I would really just like one giant database of what you can have access to. Like, oh, you know what I would like? Let's get rid of state licensing for therapy. Get rid of state licensing. Why don't you just get licensed as a therapist? 
for the United States of America. And then if the therapists in New York don't have time for you, you go to see a therapist in Ohio. Who gives a shit? Get red state licensing. I'm sorry. Now I'm going to start swearing. But well, that's that all right. Is, you can swear on this. Let her rip. I, I, Tony, let her rip. In and out. Yeah, that's <laughs> state licensing. That's what I would get rid of. State licensing would be my first thing. You should be able to see there is a therapist somewhere in some Middle Earth state that has time for you. And then maybe, you have maybe, people, maybe, maybe right? not. I don't. I don't know if that's true right now because yeah, there I is think- a lack. There's a lack of. First of all, there's a lack of professionals available, which is part of the problem of why you're seeing the issues that you're having, is that there's a lack of professionals available to everybody. And when you go to some of these new professionals, a lot of these newer professionals, you're talking to somebody who doesn't even have the experience in your life that you have. Now, I'm not saying you can't learn something from them or get something from them because you can, but it does make it difficult to connect on some levels. But there is a true lack of professionals right now. And I love that you want to get rid of state licensing because I really do think we, my personal pet peeve now as someone who is coming to this later in life, but has a, has lived his whole life to do this work because this has been my whole life because I grew up with a mentally ill parent and an alcoholic parent. I just, I've run the gamut of all that. So I was geared for this, but I didn't want to do this in my twenties because it was just too much for me to handle. And now that I've come to this sure. later, going back to school, it's like I wish there was like a trade school for therapists because like we've we've thought about the education system all wrong in the first place and created all these barriers, just like we have for everything else. And then we see what we're lacking. And now we're lacking it in professionals. They talk about it every day where we're lacking nurses, we're lacking doctors. People are dying on the operation table more because we don't have qualified people. We don't have qualified people to pass on the knowledge because the people that are burned out don't want to deal with a bunch of attitudes from younger people that think they know everything already because they watch some fucking YouTube videos because you have that too. (laughs) You do have a lot. You just have so much. There's just so much bullshit involved and it's just, sorry. You got no, I think I think you're both right. Free the demons. Yeah, <laughs> free the demons. We call it drive-through dog training. The TikTok dog drive-through training. Nah, drive-through dog training. I like yeah. it. Drive-through therapy. Hey, yeah, but maybe that's what we need, though. Maybe yes. in this TikTok world, maybe that's what we need is drive-through therapy. I don't know. Yeah, that'll that'll feed it. That'll feed it. We don't need that shit. Yeah, I think <laughs> if I think there's some benefit to being paired with someone who has different experiences than you. Like when I picked my therapist, I intentionally picked uh, African-American woman from downstate because I wanted a different perspective on life. I don't need to speak to another middle-aged white woman about (laughs) the problems of the world. Like I wanted somebody outside of my box. I love that. Who was a civilian. She's a civilian. She has no affiliations with the military community, but I don't want like, we can get in the cycle of over-validating each other. And then there's that social contagion where we're all just, because we all have the same shared. So don't be afraid to connect with someone who has no idea what your life is like, you know, because it doesn't, we got to get out of that. Like, like you're going to therapy to get out of that headspace, you know? So yes, we need it because it does help. Like, but like I have a very tight group of friends at Operation at Ease. you know, we all work together, but we're all friends. And it helps that we all have shared experiences, but, you know, like Terry and I have very similar shared experiences. And then Jessica is kind of like our, um, I don't know, she's like Galinda the Good Witch from Dor- like the Wizard of Oz. Like she's just very like tool and rainbows and like, which we are not like a rainbow. Like I'm very like crass and I'm very, like kind of dark and I'm a wicked dirty comic. If you boys want to catch me on a different venue, you know, but like, then we have, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Then we have Jessica that just puts glitter all over us, you know, and it kind of balances us out, you know? And then I have like, Danielle. You got to have a unicorn. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And then it's like fun that I have like, you know, we have Danielle who was also raised by like a crazy Italian family. And we had that, we have that connection, but it's nice that we have to get, outside of it you know because you just don't want to get in the rabbit hole with everybody you know so 
I would say state, like get rid of state licensing. It's bullshit. It's cop out. It's just states trying to like put some control over it. I, I think that we would have more therapists if they were able to do their job and they aren't able to do it if you're limited to, you know, uh, lower income states where people aren't able to access what you're offering, you know, like, why are you going to become a, a therapist? And like, I, I don't even know, I don't want to point out one state that has a lower income or education level, but it, why would you become a therapist there if you don't think anyone would utilize you? You know, you so but maybe you would if, if like you could get people from LA and Boston and New York, where you know, there's money, you know, what is it? Why does it matter? Why are we what do people in different states have different mental health needs? No, it's what you, it's what you said. It's about control and money. That's all it's about. It's because about if you if you probably have to pay to have your li state license, and then you probably have to get it renewed every five oh, yeah. years, or so it's all about money. That's all it is. It's people can't allocate, and people think that they know what's best for others. That's yeah. really as what a therapist it you have to have as a therapist you have to have insurance also. Yes. So True. it's like there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of factors that play into it. Plus, nobody knows how much fucking paperwork actually goes into getting billing. See, that's another see, that's the other part of this, too, is that we're not right. talking about the insurance stuff, but we don't have even close enough time to get into that, nor the knowledge to get into that, because that's a whole other conundrum that makes things difficult. But I, Joni, I like your answer. We, we have never heard that before. And I think uh, Will and I both agree that that is um that's a good one yeah never yeah, heard that yeah, thank you so much joni thank you so much for joining us this morning Thanks it has been a pleasure you meeting fun. you we will share everything in the show notes uh don't forget www.operationatease.org uh if you are a vet uh active military or mm -hmm. first responder uh, please reach out to Joni and her organization. I'm going to spread the message. I'm sure Timmy will too. Timmy, another great interview, man. Another great Sunday morning. Absolutely. Uh, just thank you for what you do. And thank you for your team. Um, thank you for being here. Yeah, for sure. thank you guys. You got it. Until next week, get well. Be safe. Stay above thank you for giving us a listen new episodes every wednesday if you listen on apple podcast you can share rate review and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode other ways to support the show follow us on social media share the content share our episodes you can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod for further concerns show ideas or just to say hi you can email us at above ground podcast at gmail once again thank you for listening and supporting mental health keep the conversation going and stay above